Now, uh, you're going to think that I'm not going to be preaching a Mother's Day sermon. This is Mother's Day. You came to hear a Mother's Day sermon, and you're not going to hear one because you're thinking he's still on this thinking series called Absolute Surrender. Well, just hold on. Just hold on. We haven't got there yet. But before we get to the sermon for today, I'm going to preach the three sermons that I preached for the last three Sundays, but I'm going to do it in about a minute to catch you up. We began this series with an Old Testament story about a man named Ahab who was confronted by 33 kings, one king confronted by 33 other kings. One of those kings, the king in charge, said, Hey, your silver and your gold are mine, your wives and your children are mine. I want it all. And so Ahab, looking at the circumstances, looked at the situation and said, I don't have any choice but to surrender. And so he gave us a picture of what absolute surrender looks like with these words. He said, uh, it is according to your word, my Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have. And so that has become the watchword for us. That passage of scripture from 1 Kings has become the watchword for us, a picture of what absolute surrender is. The next week, we looked at the story of Jesus trying to tie together what this means, absolute surrender. And Jesus gave the call to discipleship in Luke chapter 14. And Jesus talked about in that passage of scripture, two kings, a greater king and a lesser king. When a greater king with more troops comes against a lesser king with fewer troops, the lesser king has to go out and ask for terms of peace. And what are terms of peace? The terms of peace are whatever the greater king dictates. And the greater king says, your silver and your gold is mine. Your wife and your kids are mine. Everything you have is mine. And so Jesus said in the last verse, so no one of you can be my disciple unless he is willing to give up all his own possessions. And so we have to say to the greater king who sits on the throne of heaven, it is according to your word, my Lord, O king, I am yours and all that I have. That's a prerequisite, that's hard for me to say, for discipleship. But then last Sunday we looked at one of the disciples who did follow Jesus, who did surrender, who did leave his career. He left his nets. His name was Peter. He made a great commitment. He made a great confession. And he had great confidence in the commitment that he made to the Lord Jesus. And he said, hey, though all the rest of them die, I will never deny you. And yet you know the story of Peter in the courtyard when Jesus was arrested. Peter did deny Jesus. And so that's Peter's great calamity, and Peter came just to see himself. And we said that sometimes that happens to us. We start out with high hopes of being everything that Jesus wants us to be, and then we fall flat on our face in failure. But sometimes the Lord uses, oftentimes the Lord uses that to teach us that number one, we have to confess, I have not lived a holy life. And because we've tried and tried sincerely over and over again and failed over and over again, we have to say with all honesty, I cannot live a holy life. And then we conclude that unless a power greater than us takes control of our lives and helps us to live, that we will never live the life that Christ intended us to live. And so then we concluded the message last week talking about how Peter was changed and how he came to that moment of absolute surrender. We talked about that on the day of Pentecost, how the Holy Spirit 
came and all the disciples were changed. But here's the secret now that we're looking for. How can it happen to me? How can that change come to my life? And so to find that out, we're going to go to a rather unusual passage of Scripture as we consider the prayer of absolute surrender. That is the title of today's message. Remember, the watchword that we've been using is from 1 Kings, where uh, Ahab said, It is according to your word, my Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have. We're going to see that in a New Testament passage of Scripture in a little different way, and it's about a, a, a soon-to-be mother in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. I'm going to show you a picture that will absolutely astonish you before the morning is over, and it'll be over as quickly as everything else. So hold on. Luke chapter 1, beginning to read in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How in the world? How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. It is according to your word. My Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have. And so there we see the prayer of absolute surrender. Mary saying essentially the same thing that, Ben-Hadad, that Ahab had said to Benadad when he was overwhelmed with overwhelming force, a greater king coming against a lesser king. And here is little Mary standing before God and heaven with the angel of Gabriel delivering this message to her saying something is going to happen to you. And she said, it's got to be impossible And he said, no, it's not. God can do it. And she said, then it is according to your word, my Lord, O King. I'm your bond slave. I'm yours and all that I have. So I'm simply asking you this morning, before we finish with this service, would you be willing to make such a response to God that her prayer is the prayer of absolute surrender? Now, there are two sides to absolute surrender, like two sides of a coin. the, The one side is your part. In other words, there's something that you must do. But the other side is God's part. It's something that only God can do to accomplish His work in you. Now, here are some things that Mary did. 
Very simple things. Number one, Mary made an intelligent surrender, and so must you, and so must I. In other words, you must come willingly. It must be a voluntary uh, surrender. It is an intelligent decision in light of the facts as you know them. In other words, when a greater king and a lesser king come against one another, and the greater king comes with overwhelming force, the lesser king looks at the situation over and says, it's a good decision for me to give up, to surrender. So this is an intelligent decision, and Mary made such a decision in her life. No coercion, no persuasion. There was just this message from the angel Gabriel that God desired to do a work in and through her life. That's all in the world that the Lord has been telling you since you first started hearing the gospel is that He desires to do a work in and through your life. And then with all the sincere purity of her childlike heart, she said, Here I am, Lord. I'm your bond slave. I'm your handmaiden. I'm yours to do with as your will. Let your will come to pass in my life. May it be done to me according to your word. Now, I'm certain that many of you, many of us, have come close to that kind of commitment in the past. As best you knew, you gave yourself over to the Lord. You, like Mary, made, your, your, made the intelligent decision to place your life in the hands of the Lord Jesus for the matter of your salvation. <clears throat> and perhaps you never questioned since that day the Lord's faithfulness in making sure that came to pass. But if not, I wonder if this morning you would be willing to offer your life in such an act of surrender. So Mary made, very simply, an intelligent, willing surrender of her life to the Lord. But not only so, for Mary's Surrender to fall under the category of absolute surrender, it had to be an unconditional surrender. And that's where the hang-up is for many of us in our lives. She gave herself up to the Lord. She handed her life over to Him as no longer her own. She gave up her dreams in favor of His desire. She gave up her future to find his favor. She gave up her own heart's desire to become a woman after his heart. She put no restrictions on what God could do with her life. She put no limitations on what she herself would do for God. Her will was totally given over to him. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And in so doing, she was using the picture of what we saw in the words of Ahab, may it, uh, it is according to your word, my Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have. Now let me ask you a question this morning. Is that the state of your relationship to God? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up freely for us all in an act of absolute surrender, ask the same of you and the same of me. Uh, so, We've looked at that con con uh, consideration of how Mary's surrender mirrors the surrender of, uh, of Ahab, and it does. In, in the weeks past, we said that the terms of peace require your absolute and unconditional surrender, and you have made that surrender to God in regard to your salvation. You gave yourself up to God in that matter. You know you cannot save yourself. That's been made plain to you. But in matter, in the matter, and this is where I want you to listen to me. Let me take a breath. You take a breath and let's listen because this is where this gets very important to the believer. In the matter of your own sanctification, 
it has been a different story. That battle you've chosen to fight on your own, somehow you've determined that although salvation is God's work, that sanctification is your work. Sanctification is, this is a big long word, it's about this long. Lily Kate, can you spell it? Not, not right now, but you can spell it for me later. It is about this long, but it simply means being made holy. How's that going for you? Living a holy life. Tell me how, that, how that's going for you. How have you been able to accomplish it? Or have you come to a point where you are ready to admit that you have not, not only so that you cannot, and that you are helpless, that you are helpless in your own strength against the pull and power of sin. Now there are some of us here today who have tried and failed. Listen to me. We've tried to clean up our own lives and failed. We've tried to change our own hearts and failed. We've tried to be holy and we failed. We've tried to break a habit and we failed. And so here you sit today in the ashes of your own self-confidence, bearing the shame of your own failure. You have been crushed by the tempter in absolute and total defeat. Now the man or woman who can admit, ab, who can admit absolute defeat is the man or the woman, the young person, who's ready to make an absolute surrender of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. We talk about, and I can't tell you that yet, so you gotta, I'm going to put that back on, it's over here on this shelf somewhere, and I'll tell it to you after a while. And if I forget to tell you that I told you, I'm going to tell you, I just forgot to tell you that I took it off the shelf, okay? Don't let one failure keep you from God. Don't let a thousand failures keep you from God. Who knows better than the man or the woman who's come to the end of their own strength that they must surrender to the strength of another, that the work of God is impossible unless God Himself puts His hand to the task. Now, let me get to the point on this. Let me get right straight to the point and let me come back to Mary because this is where you're going to see something absolutely remarkable. You've read it in the Scripture. You've heard it since you were a little child. But I promise you, you never saw it because I never saw it. If you saw it and you've known it all your life, please come and tell me that you've known this all your life. And I'm going to come back and say, why didn't you tell me this 30 years ago when I was back at Agricola as pastor? When I was here, why didn't somebody come and tell me? Because nobody ever told me. Nobody ever showed me this in the story of Mary's life. Here's the third point of this message. Your absolute surrender opens your life to the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what happened to Peter on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, Peter was changed. He was transformed. Now, what is it that the angel of God said was, was going to happen in Mary's life? She was going to conceive. Now, she makes the case. She says, well, in light of the fact, in light of the fact that I'm a noble young lady, that is impossible. Uh, the work of God, that work that God wanted to accomplish in Mary's life was a work, first, we know this, that she could not accomplish herself. You go back and read it. You're going to give birth. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father's David, and his kingdom will never have an end. Mary said, how in the world? How can this be? How's this going to happen? How is it possible? It'd take a miracle. Well, let me remind you that the work that God wants to accomplish in your life and in my life 
is also a work that I can't do and you can't do. Your efforts won't accomplish it. You will not achieve it by the best of your intentions. Only when we give ourselves up to Him, only when we acknowledge the depth of our own weakness and depravity, can God begin to do His work in and through us. And so for that reason, the journey to absolute surrender for most of us is a gradual one. You say, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, first, it's a journey through the desert of spiritual fatigue. You get burned out. You ever been burned out? Burned out in church? You get burned out in church usually because you're burned out spiritually. You've tried and you failed, you've tried and you failed, you've tried and you failed, and so you quit. That's the intelligent decision you make. I'll just quit. It's, it's, it's experiencing the cold, dark tombs of spiritual failure. It's coming face to face with the spiritual darkness of our own hearts. In other words, you bump up against a Peter moment in your life. When you fail the Lord and you fail everybody else and you fail yourself, you fall short of God's expectations, you fall short of your wife's expectations, you fail your children, you drop your sister off your knee like you did today. You know, I tell it, brothers let us down. People let us down. We let other people down. It happens to all of us. We let ourselves down. We let God down. Peter let Jesus down. Peter looked him square in the eye. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Judas went out and committed suicide. You ever notice the difference between those two? What a vast difference. Peter wept bitterly. And, and the Lord had told Peter, something's going to happen. You're going to see your failure. Satan's desired to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Now let me just tell you a little secret. Every time you've ever failed, you surprised yourself. You thought, I thought I was better than that. I never thought I would do something like that. When I made my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, I never thought I would say that or do that. And you surprised yourself, but you didn't surprise God. You didn't surprise God. As a matter of fact, if Jesus could have been standing beside you, He said, look, something's going to happen. But I pray for you. And there's another day coming. There's another day on the other side of failure. Let me show you how it happened in Mary's life. Mary said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And he reminded her, the angel did, that though many things were impossible with men, nothing is impossible with God's, with God. Now we might say, uh, she said, since I am a virgin, uh, how can this happen? Well, we might say, uh, looking not out of our own innocence, but out of our great shame. How can this happen in my life since I've lost my purity? I've lost any hope of personal holiness. I've lost myself in sin and self-indulgence. So, we talked about our part. Our part is surrender. What is God's part? This is the other side of the coin. Here is what the angel Gabriel told Mary. Here it is. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. It's been in the New Testament since before I was born and since before any of you were born. Since the moment it was written, it's always been there. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now look again at Mary's question, how can this be? And then look again at what needs to be done in your life. How can it be? How will it happen? There are some things God may be calling you to do that appear impossible to your eyes. Changes that He wants to make in your life that, that seem impossible. Habits that are unbreakable. Got one of those? 
sins that are unforsakable, and from where you look, it, it is as impossible to you as what Gabriel promised to Mary. But I remind you that what is utterly impossible to you is not utterly impossible with God because when you and I yield, when you yield yourself up to God in absolute surrender, when I yield myself up to God in absolute surrender, uh, then the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Perhaps the Lord has called you to preach or to be a missionary and you're wondering how you will ever do what to use things to be impossible. Well, in the Old Testament, there was a shy young man whose name was Saul. You might remember him. Saul went on later to fail miserably. But in the beginning, he was really a good guy. He was so shy, so reserved. As a matter of fact, when God told him he wanted him to do something very special, he went and hid himself away from everybody else. But God took him and used him. And when he met Samuel, Samuel told him, he said, this is what's going to happen to you. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily. And you will be changed into another man. How can you be saved? If you have that question today, you're looking at your own life, your own sin, your own circumstances, how can I ever be saved? Well, here's the secret. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. How can you answer that call that God has placed upon your life? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. How can you break an unbreakable habit? How can you forsake an unforsakable sin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now let's take this off the shelf that I put over there just a minute ago and let me set it right here and let me show you something else. We've always thought that the, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit was to make us unusually powerful, that help us be like Samson and knock down walls, that help us be like uh, the, the disciples and speak in tongues. You know what the power of the Holy Spirit is for? The person of the Holy Spirit is for? You ever read that expression, Christ in you, the hope of glory? Have you ever read that verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The hardest thing, the hardest assignment that you have is living the Christian life on a daily basis, is being the person that God wants you to be in difficult circumstances or in ordinary circumstances. The hardest assignment that you have is living a holy life. You ever notice what Jesus said? You know, the Old Testament says, be holy for I am holy. Jesus cleaned that up a bit and made it a little easier. He just said, be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Got any perfect people here? No, you dropped your sister. I saw you today off your knee. We all do things. We all fail, and we fail in our own strength. Because we're not strong enough. We can't. That's the secret. We can't, but I can through Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will over overshadow you. You see, the work that God wants to do in your life, the work of sanctification in your life, the work of becoming holy, is, is, is as impossible for you in your own strength as was Mary, as it was impossible for Mary to conceive without a man. It was impossible. It couldn't happen except by work of God. It's out of our reach. And so Mary said, in light of what the angel said to her, looking at the circumstances, looking at the utter impossibility, looking at the king on the throne of heaven, 
and looking at her simple self on the throne of her own heart, just took herself off the throne a moment and said, okay, Lord, it is according to your word. My Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. How simple is that? How profound is that? But you say, she was just a child. She didn't know any better. You saw these little children come up here this morning. How did Jesus say you had to come? Like a child. With all the simplicity and purity. Or maybe not purity anymore. We don't have that, do we? But just to say, in other words, you're telling me, Brother Eddie, that this thing about the Christian life is an absolute miracle, just like the virgin birth. Absolutely. That's what the Bible's been trying to tell us all this time, that it's impossible to break an unbreakable habit or forsake an unforsakable sin in your own strength and in your own power. But if you and I will yield ourselves to the greater king, we who are the lesser, if we will say to him, it is according to your word, my Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have, that he will take our lives and he will transform them into the vessel of his choosing for the assignment of his choosing. Now, there's some of you here today who've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. I don't know who you are. I will know soon. I'll know a little bit more about you, but you know who you are. And it may be you have some, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can't. If you're thinking that, you can't. You, you really can't. You can't be the person God wants you to be. Not without his work in your life. And some of you have tried and you failed and you've given up and you quit coming to church, you quit being faithful because you said, I tried that once and it didn't work. It doesn't work, not in your own strength. It only works as you yield your life to the work of the Holy Spirit. And God does his work in you. One side of the coin is you yielding. The other side is God's mighty work in you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and you will be changed into another man. Let's pray. Lord, we have heard your word today. We've seen it displayed before our eyes. We've seen little children doing acts of kindness. Lord, help us to be those little children again at your feet, humbly saying, Lord, I have failed. I have messed my life up. I, I give up. I give up to you in absolute surrender because I realize I can't do it and I need you to do the work in me. Lord, may, may there be... Oh, thank you.